Welcome to Animal Cafe, where you'll hear weekly interviews with experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals, and a monthly segment reviewing fun, fabulous, and useful products for your pets. Check our website, animalcafe.co, for more. Okay, hi there. This is Kelly Gorman Dunbar, and this week we are going to speak with Dr. Roger Abrantes. Uh, Roger is a dear friend of mine. He was born in Portugal and considers himself a citizen of the world. He's got a PhD in evolutionary biology and, most impressively to me, speaks seven languages. He has written 17 books on animal behavior, and right now uh, he is researching, writing, and lecturing on behavior and evolution at the Ethology Institute in Cambridge. Um, and also, I believe, in your free time, you tour the world doing seminars. Is that is that right, Roger? It is absolutely correct. Well, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to spend some time chatting with me. It's a great pleasure. I had to had to schedule an interview to get to get some time these days, right? You're so busy. That's right. And we are very far away from one another and very different time zones as well. And where are you today? Right now, I am in uh, Portugal. In Portugal, okay, great. Yes, on my way to England. Back to work? Yes, and then from England, I'm going to Thailand. Hmm, I see. And what are you doing in Thailand these days? Oh, I love Thailand. The sea and the, the sky, the sun, the food, the people, uh, you know, that, that's for me. I think I, I, I must have been Thai or at least Asian in a, in a previous life because I really feel good there feel at home, yes? Yeah, I do. I know you love Thai food. So, let's see. um, You have been blogging away these days at Dogstar Daily and at your WordPress blog. Yes. What is is your WordPress blog called? Um, How do people find that? Roger Abrantes. Just Roger Abrantes. Yes, rogerabrantes.wordpress.com. And these um, recently, I was very interested in an article you wrote, a post you wrote on Dog Star Daily, about the the ter- terminology in training and how that might ref- reflect on your your view of your relationship with your dog. Right. So I kind of like to just talk about that a little bit. Um, the The post in question is called "Commands or Signals," and doesn't matter what we call them. Yes. And I would like to know. Does it matter what we call them? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it depends, you know. Um, if you ask me from a scientific point of view, I, I think it matters. Um, you know, communication is difficult. And if we are not precise and we are a bit sloppy with the terms that we use, we can maybe be conveying the wrong message when we talk to one another. This is one point. Um, the other point is that Sometimes the terms that we use, they have connotations. And now I'm not thinking about what other people might think, but I'm thinking about the connotations they have for ourselves. For instance, if you say command, it's like your frame of mind is to be obeyed. But on the other side, if you say a signal, your frame of mind is that you want your signal to be understood. So if you you say, I'm going to command my dog, is one thing. If you say, I'm going to signal to my dog, I'm going to communicate with my dog, that's another thing. And so do you think that the way that we, we approach that 
the, you know, the way that we, we think about that will affect the way that we actually communicate in the, in the long run? For some people, yes. For, for, for others, definitely not. Because, I mean, they're not going to change and they're not so sensitive to connotations of the words. But for some people, I think, I think, I think it does. Um, with, I mean, new dog owners, I believe that if we use the correct terminology, I believe that we will do them and ourselves a favor in the in the long run. I really like the the term signal versus command. And when I read this, it was it was like a light bulb moment for me because I've been very frustrated for pretty much my entire nearly twenty career in dogs right now, um, not knowing what to call um, you know. A, a, a cue, basically, a verbal cue or, or right. any kind of signal. The word signal had never come to mind for me, and it just was just a light bulb moment. It made me feel so comfortable, and it, it's so clear, and yet so, um, I don't know, just neutral, benevolent kind of, right? It is, yes, and, and that's my idea. Uh, actually, I wrote it first time, I think it was in 1984, but it was in one of the impossible languages that um, you cannot read. Um, so <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> sometimes. And since 1984, I've, I've actually been using the, the term signal, which I think it's uh, much better. Uh, but people are so used to command that sometimes when I have seminars, I explain about signals, talk to signals about one hour or two hours, and then people ask me questions, and they all come back asking me about commands. Uh, then, of course, we have a lot of fun because I say, excuse me, what are you talking about, you know? <laughs> and then they say, oh, I'm sorry, not a commander signal. So um, it's we have a bit of fun with that as well. Well, you know, there is a point that you make in, in the blog post about how a, a command is issued and um, maybe perhaps by um, a military officer, for instance, and that it's, it's, a, it's something that they want to be obeyed with no questions asked and that disobedience is severely punished. Now, right. I think there are, you know, how do you think that that relates to dog training? Because people do think that dogs should, quote, unquote, obey them. I mean, maybe obey is another word that we have to really take a look at. Yeah, it is. Um, because, um, you know, I... It, I work with the police officers uh, right now, and I've been doing that a long time, you know, with the narcotics and explosives, uh, the so-called detection dogs. And in the, in the military, in military environment, we use commands, but not for the dogs still. We use them for ourselves, for, for one another. Um, as I explained in the blog, a command has to be obeyed with no questions asked. But we must not forget that a command, before it becomes a command, it is a signal. I cannot... I cannot obey a command that I do not understand. <laughs> so, so, you see, the difference, is, um, the difference is that in our private lives, uh, with our dogs, uh, well, depending on what kind of relationship we want, but I believe most dog owners, they don't want to have a military relationship with, with uh, their, their dogs, and they don't need that. So it's more like uh, talking to one another. I mean, you don't command me, I don't command you. We, we communicate with one another. I send you a signal, then you signal back to me, and so on. And I think that is the same that most dog owners really want. And if they teach the dogs the signals properly, then there is no problem. Then you don't need the commands. For instance, let's take the example of seat. What does seat mean? Seat means put your butt on the ground there where you are and keep it there until I give you another signal. That's it. Mm -hmm. So if you teach the dog that from the very first beginning, then there is no misunderstanding. You don't even need to say stay, actually, because it's already 
uh, including the definition of seed. Put your butt on the ground, there where you are, and keep it there until I give you another signal. It's very easy. So if you do that, and you have a kind of uh, what I call quality control, which is a, a question, uh, you know, a criterion, a way of testing whether your signal is understood. And what I always suggest is that, for instance, you, you, you find a, a criterion that says that uh, the dog has to show the correct behavior, let's say five times in a row or six times in a row. Then you can be, or ten times in a row if you want more precision, more reliability. Then you can be pretty sure that next time when you say sit to your dog, the dog will put the butt on the ground and will keep it there until you give it another signal. So you don't need really a command. It's about understanding, and that really is a good point, because I don't know that most people who are trying to communicate with their dog, and I agree, they are trying to communicate in a friendly fashion, the way that you and I would communicate if we were you know, going out for a nice Thai dinner, um, you might ask me to sit, but it certainly isn't a command, it's because we're going to share, right. you know, break bread at the same table. I think people want that same kind of relationship with their dog for the most part, but maybe you know, perhaps they don't even realize how to break down the basic uh, signals you know, because yeah. the, your, your definition of sit there was very clear and thorough. And um, you know, I find sometimes people train a sit that is more like a parlor trick, you know, put your ear on the ground and then get back up, but yes. then expect the actual definition that you, that you just described instead. And then therefore now they think the dog is being disobedient. Right, and this is one of the reasons why I've, I've so, uh, I don't know, this is maybe a, a, a typical thing of it, but I've been dealing with, with the definitions since, uh, I, since I know myself. I love definitions, I love dictionaries, <laughs> and uh, therefore when I, when I got into dog training, of course that the first thing for me was, let's define exactly what I want. I never ask a dog to do anything that I don't know exactly what it is. But you see, most dog owners say, well, if you ask them, what is sit? They say, oh, it's uh, just uh, put your butt on the ground. And it is not, because then they, don't, they focus on, okay, the dog is sit. But then they don't focus on the part that says where you are. And then next time, because they have not focused on that, the dog doesn't sit exactly there. Uh, walks maybe three, four steps away and then sits. And then they complain later. Oh, but my dog is moving three, four steps away. Of course it is, because they were not aware of that from the very first beginning, because that was not included in the definition of signal. And the same as you said with the getting up, you know, the, what I call the, not the sit exercise, but I call it the yo-yo exercise. Because it's a sit, get up, sit, get up, sit, get up, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's also because they don't include the last part of it, which is, and keep the butt there until you get another signal, you know, or, or until I give you another signal. But if we define the signals precisely, I think it's much easier for us um, to, to explain that to the dog the way we want. Of course, we're not going to explain with words. We're going to explain with the tools that we have. To, but, but it's much easier for us to, to get the behavior that we want and for the dog to understand it. And this really will affect the relationship because you know, we start with the, the, the point that a command has a different connotation than a signal. So the peop a person's mindset might be in a kind of more gentle, gentle place if they're using the word signal. But um, also, as, as we talk about the idea of, of disobedience, um, you know, as you said, you cannot, you cannot possibly, um, uh, you know, follow a signal that you don't understand. So, uh, no, I, exactly. I cannot obey a command that I don't understand. That's correct. So this is all uh, about communication, which just will enhance the relationship, really. 
Yes, I, I believe so, really. I believe that it gives the dog owners another insight into, into what communication is. Okay, so that's. I, th- I hope that that's really clear to people that if you want your dog to, you know, to to to, I guess, obey. What, what what's a better word than obey? I suppose just. If you... uh, I mean, in this case, in, in when you use the communication, is the signal uh, then produces a behavior. Yes, if you want the dog uh, to follow instructions, produce the behavior. Yes, you sit. You, the signal sit produces the behavior of the dog. Sitting, you know, putting the butt on the ground and keep it there, etc., etc. You know. What would you say to people who who might out there who might be saying something like, "Well, but I am in charge. I need to be the leader. I am. I am the pack leader. My dog should listen to my commands." Well, the first thing I would say is that uh, if you want to be a leader, you have to show that you are uh, that you have what it takes to be a leader. And to be a leader, you don't you don't become a leader by using uh, power and and uh, force and uh, uh, you know and and pain, uh, which uh, is unfortunately what most people relate to being a leader. A good leader uh, leads by example. A good leader is a leader because it's better at solving problems. So if you want to be, if a dog owner says, "I want to be the leader," okay. Well, that's your problem. If you like to be the leader, that's a big responsibility. I wouldn't like to be the leader at home, you know, but anyway. Um, but if they want to be the leader, that's that's their choice. But then they have to understand that leadership is based on being the best at solving the problems. And they have to show the dogs that they are best at solving the problems. Then the dogs will follow them. Of course, they're going to have a lot of problems because the dog is much better at solving some of the daily ca- canine <laughs> problems than the owner. So um, in the end, I don't think that's uh, tenable at all. I don't think they, the dog will uh, will uh, discover the, that they are bluffing. They're not better at all. <laughs> so no, I don't think we can. I don't think we can build a relationship to our dogs um, based on the concept of leadership that we use. We are not um, members of the same species. We are not a pack. You know. Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly where where I wanted to go with this next. It's kind of the idea that people give dogs this I, this strange kind of um, altruistic, magical status in the right. in the animal kingdom, rather than just seeing them as what they are, which is a, a, a lovely um, but different species. And as you've pointed out, a, you know, a species that is actually better at some things than we are. Yes, and the uh, and the relationship we have is is based on uh, we are good to one another, we need one another, but we di- we live basically in two different worlds. It looks like the same, but it is not. What is important for us is not important for the dog, and and vice versa as well. Yeah, very very interesting. So um, let's see. On on that note, um, should we talk a little bit about the idea of punishment? Yes, we can. Um, you know, because whether or not people are using the word command or signals or whether they want the dog to obey or, or simply res- respond, I think a lot of people get very hung up on the idea of, of a dog making a mistake or being willfully disobedient and and feel that they, they need a way to, to punish a dog for being, quote unquote, you know, a bad dog. Right. And how do you feel about that? How does that? Feel I, I, I like it very much the way you said it because you, 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 that is exactly the problem in a nutshell. They punish the dog for being a bad dog. Now, let's first f- f- define, you know, me and definitions, right? <laughs> let's first define what is a punisher. A punisher is everything that decreases the frequency, intensity, and or duration of a given behavior, okay? 
Mm-hmm. That, that is what a punisher is. So, it, in the definition, it, it is not included that it is something good or something bad. It's just something that decreases the intensity, duration, or frequency of a behavior. Okay, so let's, before, I, you, that's really important, that point. It doesn't even really state whether it's good or bad. Can you explain a little more about that? Yes, I can, because one thing that can be a, a punisher for me, for instance, one day, it doesn't need to be a punisher tomorrow. Tomorrow it can be a reinforcer, which is the opposite of a punisher. Now we define the punisher, let's define a reinforcer. A, a reinforcer is everything that increases the frequency, intensity, and or duration of a behavior, which means the opposite of a punisher, okay? I can give you the example. When I go to an American restaurant, they give me a sandwich with a lot of mayo, you know, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, yes. Yes, and I never enter that restaurant again because I don't like mayonnaise. Me either, by the way. You neither. So what is the chef doing? The chef is actually punishing me. He's not being bad to me. He doesn't even know that I exist. He doesn't even know that I don't like mayonnaise. But he's punishing my behavior. That is the second point. Because you said, and very, very correctly, because this is the way people understand it, they punish the dog for being a bad dog. Another thing with punishers is that you never punish the person, you never punish the individual. You punish the behavior. That's the behavior that you want to decrease. Mm. A, dog, a dog is not a bad dog. A dog does bad things. And it does bad things because you define them as being bad things. You don't like them. Okay? So if you don't like them, you have to teach the dog to reduce that behavior. But that is not the same as to punish the dog or that the dog is a bad dog. You see, and this is a big misunderstanding too about the punishers. It's very interesting because you know, while you talk about these definitions, you're, you're looking at this with a very clear and scientific mind, but the outcome of just taking that moment to really clarify, again, what, what, what you are or what one is looking for from a, a dog, um, you actually do, I mean, again, it enhances the relationship. So you're talking about science, but this is a way that science can actually bring about more feeling and connection and a better bond. I think. You are so right. And you know what? This is why I called my new seminars for this year and for next year. I call them The Brave New World of Dog Training, Science with a Brain and a Heart. Mm. Because exactly as you said, I discovered that the more clarity we have about these things, the more we can put ourselves, our personalities into it and our feelings as well. It's not a question of saying, okay, I have to be scientific now. Now I'm not scientific, I'm emotional, I am uh, affectionate or whatever. You can be both things at the same time. You know, the idea that you're punishing the behavior, you're not punishing the dog, um, I, think that's, I think that's a tough one for people to swallow. I mean, th- there's a whole other aspect here about um, human nature. Right. And maybe our own feelings, our own anger. Right, and that is true, because many people think of... Uh, Punishing or punishment, like uh, revenge. You know? Yes, exactly. Um, Which is different, and, right? We have a different. We have a different definition for revenge. Com- completely different. <laughs> I mean, they are completely different things. But you know, all good teachers know. But you know, there is also the thing that much of our dog training it 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 comes from what we we knew about people, and it came from the military. The military were the first ones that began to uh, to train dogs. So. We didn't know so much at the time, so we used the same methods that we use with people. Now, the problem is that even people, and all good teachers know that, you never punish your students, you never punish the person, you punish the behavior. 
that's the behavior that you want to uh, to uh, decrease, you know, or, or or to extinguish completely if you can. Okay, mm-hmm. but you don't you don't punish the people. Punishing the people uh, has consequences beyond uh, what maybe we can repair. And uh, and it has even one thing that people forget is that if you punish the person, you are not going to reduce the behavior. You are going to create uh, aggressive tendencies towards you. And that is the, the danger of it. So uh, would it even be called punishing then? It goes back into that. I mean, so you're punishing the behavior, not the person, or in our case, not the dog, um, right. because you don't want to damage the relationship. Yes, and you know what? If that kind of punishment that we're talking about now, it's not even punishment from a scientific point of view. And you know why? Because it does not reduce the behavior. It creates uh, aggressive tendencies in, in the, the individual receiving uh, the, what we consider punishment, but it doesn't reduce the behavior. Imagine the dog. The dog does something you don't like, and you are very harsh to the dog. You beat up the dog or something like that. So next time, the dog is going to do the same, but as soon as you enter the room, the dog, the dog is going to attack you. And why is that so? Because you didn't punish the behavior. Not at all. You didn't reduce the behavior. You only created an aggressive tendency from the dog. And and so people have to learn how to correctly direct their, uh, I guess, I, I, I hate even to say the, the, the word, but direct their displeasure or how to communicate their displeasure in a way that is effective. And what is effective is also, again, perhaps more more kind. Yes. You know, actually, the, um, the art of punishing is much more difficult than, than one thinks uh, because you must always remember what I want is to reduce the behavior. You know, you reduce my behavior of going into a restaurant, you know, if you give me mayonnaise. <laughs> you don't reduce my behavior maybe if you tell me, no, you cannot come here. Oh, no, I'm going to show next time I can get there. You know? <laughs> so you see, the first one, you think you're punishing me. Say, no, you're not allowed to enter. You think you're punishing me, but you're not. You're creating, you're creating an, an aggressive behavior. So next time I want to go there just to prove you that I can go there. But on the other side, if you give me mayonnaise, you don't even need to tell me that I cannot go there. I just want to go there. So, so, so you see, this, this is a good example to exemplify what we think is punishment that it is not. No, it, and, no it's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, well, that's, that's, that's a lot for people to take in, though. I think, um, you know, it's... When, when I guess another another point then would be when you're when you're feeling angry, it's not a time to punish or even to train. No, uh, if you feel, but that is a thing that I've been also saying for years and years to people that if you don't feel okay, if you don't feel good, if you don't feel balanced, uh, just go home and um, you know make a martini, uh, watch a TV show, or listen to the best music you you, you like, you know. Um, look out of the window, look at the mountains and the sea, and if you don't have mountains or sea, just imagine them, and calm down. And once you are calm and you feel in balance, then you go out and train your animal. It doesn't matter if it is a dog or a horse or a cat, just go and train your animal. But the moment you spend with your animal training, it's you and your animal, and that's it. You don't think about the IRS, you don't think about the fridge that broke or the laundry machine, <laughs> nothing, you know. It's on you and your dog. And teachable teaching moments are not, are not necessarily emotional. Oh, is that you? 
Yes, it's me, but Gung is going to take it. Okay. Um, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's teachable moments are are not are are times when you're fully present, and that that's a, a super important point, I think, for people to realize as well. That it is. Yes. So, thank you for bringing that up. Well, um, this has just been super eye-opening for me. I hope that um, we have helps people to understand how to go how how the words that you use and the mindset that you you bring to your training and your relationship um well to your training will affect your relationship ultimately with your dog yes it, it does of course you know the time that you spend together it should be quality time um and your frame of mind is is very important so um, how can people find more on, on the subject? You've got several books, as we, as we mentioned, and you will be speaking. And how can people best find you on, on the Internet? And the best right now is um, Facebook, which is also to find me uh, by my name, Roger Abrantis. I post uh, all news on Facebook and uh, also about my blogs. And I write the blogs for Dogstar Daily and for WordPress. And then I give seminars, but I will also post them on uh, Facebook. Where, where are you going to be next? Where are you speaking next, seminar-wise? Uh, right now I have a, a, a weekend seminar here in Portugal. And then I have uh, Norway, Ireland, UK. And in January I'll be in the US for the detection uh, dogs of the police. Uh, and then Australia, and then I'll be back in the U.S. in May for uh, uh, my usual U.S. tour. Oh, good. Well, hopefully we will get a chance to catch up and, and hang out a little bit then. I will come to San Francisco. Perfect. Course. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with me today, and um, I, I just it's, it's a, an honor and a pure pleasure to have some time to talk to you. Thank you, Roger. And uh, likewise, you know that I'm a great fan of yours and a great fan of Dogstar Daily. Well done, Kelly. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.